Welcome to Winning the Game of Life. Known as Jungle Man at the poker table, Dan Cates has gone from being the bag boy at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. He has found fame, fortune, been to incredible places all over the globe, and connected with some amazing people. It looks like Dan has won the game of life, but that is not the way he sees it. Dan sees winning as doing his part to help everyone in the world win. He knows he can't do it alone, though. He knows it's going to take a collective effort with anyone that wants to see the same thing. Join us each week as Dan starts the conversation to do just that. On the show, Dan will interview incredible individuals that have made the impossible possible. Those that have won the game of life and those that want to help others win as well. Hit subscribe and follow Dan's journey on Instagram at TheDanCates. Let's explore anyone and anything that can help make this world a better place, increasing the odds of us all winning the game of life. And now, here's your host, Dan Cates. What's up, guys? Uh, we're back, and it's Dan Cates, or Jungle Man, with the biggest Ukrainian winner of all time, I think, and former Poker Stars Pro uh, and... You guys may not know, but he's also been in men's fitness. Eugene Katov. <laughs> hey, Dan. Good to see you, man. Good to be this on the podcast. Um, so how's... What are you up to these days? So these days I am uh, uh, up to Clash. Um, basically into esports with Luca Pagano, as you well know, as you're mm-hmm. probably one of our investors. Um, and, Probably, yeah. uh, you know, that, you know, that, that takes quite a bit of time and, uh, otherwise just, uh, you know, playing a little bit of poker, not so much these days. Um, I'm kind of hoping my, my dream is, is to do an art from being a recreational player in poker to go to, you know, that I was a professional player in poker and now back to being a recreational player in poker. So that's kind of where I'm at and what I'm working towards <laughs> poker wise, right. uh, business wise. I'm working, working on clash and um, doing a bit of uh, trading uh, as well. Um, that's about it. All right. Now you're a recreational pro. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about cute clash in a, in a bit. Uh, I don't think the audience is familiar, necessarily familiar with Clash, but it's a, it's a, it's a company that creates gaming communities and and more and uh, and yeah, it's, it seems more like now you're an entrepreneur. But let's start with poker. Uh, how did you get into poker? So I got into poker, um, like many people did, just playing with friends. This was in, this was like in 2003, uh, I guess, right after, right as I was finishing uh, college. Um, just you know, a couple of friends invited me to play some poker, and you know, I really enjoyed the game. I I didn't even learn the rules, you know, when I finished my first session, um, but I, I just really liked it. So we just kept playing with friends and kind of got together on a weekly basis um, and kept that going and. Um, you know, then I found out that you can play online, you know, started playing sit and girls online on mostly, I think, party poker in those days um, and started doing, you know, reasonably well, making a little bit of money on the side. So that was kind of cool. So that was kind of the, the very, very early stage. And how did you, um, how did this transition into, well, how did you like start, figure, well, how did you figure out you were good and, hmm. How did you like begin to make money? It just happened naturally. Was there like anything you did to? Mm, was was there any like extra effort you had to put in, or any like shift in mentality, something like this? Um. So I think I was naturally always kind of good in different games. Um. I've always liked games. I've always um. Uh, especially games where like multiplayer games where you, where, where there's any kind of psychology involved. I always try to kind of imagine what, you know, what my opponents may be thinking, you know, like those, those kinds of games. Yeah. I've just always enjoyed games like that. And, um, you know, so poker, 
you know, for obvious reasons, you know, I, I gravitated towards poker as I, as I saw similar things in it. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah. you know, what I think, what I think I really enjoyed about it is that there was no end to learning that you can just always learn, learn, learn. There's, you know, there's always more to learn. And, um, and I always enjoyed, uh, kind of, you know, the more, I, the more I played with my friends, the more I kind of, uh, realize their tendencies and then you know take advantage of those tendencies and I just I like that that whole thing and just kind of you know veering back and forth and taking advantage of uh, people's tendencies and waiting for them to adjust and then you know readjusting once they adjust like all that stuff was really really fun for me so um, so I think for that reason I really really like poker um, and I, I think I gravitated more towards uh, cash games also in the beginning um, again because I, I wanted to kind of play with uh you know with the same people um just because i you know uh that's where i got you know the most kick out of it um kind of trying to see who can outsmart who yeah so it was these psychological battles and the uh it's not you sound like someone who'd be ego battling a bit by the way you describe <laughs> all of this but i don't recall you being like a big ego player but i don't maybe you yeah. were you know. I don't think I was, um, I was, I tended to be, I think for the most part, kind of humble about it. Um, but I did enjoy the competition a lot and I, and I, I certainly never expected to be, uh, to kind of reach the, you know, the success that I did with it. Um, you know, when I was just starting out with it, it was just a game that I enjoyed and it was more just recreation. I, you know, I, I was still kind of studying in college and, you know, planning to go, you know, looking for work and, you know, kind of starting my career. Um, and then I went into trading, uh, you know, as I planned. Um, but I continued playing poker on the side and uh, I noticed that I started making a little bit extra money on it. Um, I was doing fairly well in trading as well. Um, so I kind of both things were kind of growing for me. Um, and, you know, at some point, poker just kind of became my passion. And I really uh, liked the freedom that it gave me. I liked the idea of having to travel to different places to play poker, um, having to kind of, you know, give me an opportunity to see the world. Um, so all those things kind of uh, pushed poker um, towards being my, my profession, I guess, at that time. So I just kind of, I, I kind of put everything else to the side and, um, and, and uh, started playing poker professionally. All right, it's it's pretty. Um, it's uh, it's sounds like a smooth beginning, I would say. It sounds like a like something that really you knew you were gonna do, and you just leaned into it, and it just went well and took off. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly you know I'm obviously like you know skipping a lot of there were obviously lots of stories where, you know, certainly wasn't so easy. It wasn't just like smooth sailing, you know, upwards. Yeah, I, think, not. I think it always sounds smooth sailing when you say it, when yeah. you like look at it from like the really far away or something. Exactly. Exactly. Then, from the, from the macro view, it's, it's a smooth sailing, but certainly like if you zoom in just a little bit, there was lots of, you know, stress and, you know, downturns and losing, you know, there was lots of that as well. Um, you know, something, Something that I always noticed, even as I was just starting to come up with, was um, uh, I saw, you know, as I got to know a lot of professional poker, you know, other professional poker players, I saw that, um, you know, many of them who've already reached, you know, high levels of success, who've won, you know, millions of dollars in tournaments or in cash games. And then they, you know, so many of them kind of went, went broke and, you know, lost all that money and went into debt. And, you know, this wasn't really known by public, by the public. And, you know, that, that was always a scary thought to me. So I, so I think maybe that's something that kind of kept me humble um, because I was always afraid of something like that happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to like be aware of the possible risks and, you know, prepare for the future and that kind of thing. I always, myself, I was always a bit nervous about this kind of stuff and had been a, yeah, I've had a few different I always like try to play prepare really far in advance myself uh, mm. and I keep changing my investment strategies and things like that as well. Uh, yeah. Turned out I lost like quite a bit of money doing stupid stuff. Um, I think we all, I think we all do, right? Like I've also lost money doing stupid stuff. I, I, I always, I, I, I always start, like to think about it like, um, uh, to, to be able to learn in anything, including in poker, but not just 
test of poker, but also in business, like you always have to lose money. Like losing money is the best way to learn. Because if you win, you don't really learn. <laughs> I think losing is what teaches you the most. I think you, I think winning and losing a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit of both loses. Uh, excuse oh, me. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, if you're always losing, you know, nothing's going nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna to happen. But I'm saying on balance, when you know, between losing and winning, I think losing teaches you more than winning. All right. What was the stupidest way you've ever lost money? If uh, you want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Let's, I've never been asked that. Let me think about it. The stupidest way I've lost money. Um, I bet I can uh, be stupider. <laughs> um, it's not so obvious. Um, I mean, I've certainly had, you know, well, okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, all right, let's use this example. I've, uh, I invested a bunch of money in, uh, into a restaurant. Um, basically, I was, I was uh, investing a bunch of money into a big sports complex in New York. And, and they were also planning to build a restaurant inside. And I, inv and I additionally invested money into this restaurant on the side, um, thinking, you know, thinking that we had someone who would kind of take care of it. And, uh, you know, projections wise, like, you know, uh, we thought it was going to, you know, it was going to go really well. And that ended up being just a, a horrific investment. It just kept draining and draining and draining money. And I just ended at some point we just, you know, ended up, uh, you know, <laughs> giving it away, uh, kind of just giving away control of it um, because it just kept draining money. And, um, and that taught me that the restaurant business is really, really tough. And unless there's someone, unless it's really like you sitting there and, you know, Full, you know, fully working on it, or or there's really someone you know really really close that that is going to you know work work their butts off um, and is incentivized to 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 do so. Uh, you know, uh, restaurant business is really tough. So I think my you know I think I was very naive uh, expecting expecting that to just kind of work out. So so I'll, I'll use that example. Yeah, I did I did a number of things like that. I had, I had a real estate project that. Uh, well, I did have people that were incentivized to do well in it, but it just didn't really, it ended up being a major disaster where I had to take, I took out like a hard money loan and I bought a property and thought it would be an easy flip and to make money. And then it just ended up uh, being a massive disaster. Uh, whoa. Huh? This is a long story. Yeah, I said yeah, yeah well i said whoa <laughs> yeah that's not that's a, you know um i think i think as you learn once you start investing i think you learn that they're you know rarely easy investments so um and I, I feel like you learn something from each failure uh little by little but i think something that we've discussed in the past i remember like when we were hanging out um is uh i think the number one rule of investing is uh um trusting the people who who, who you're investing with uh, I think I think that's always like the, the the very first step. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter how good the investment is. Doesn't matter how risk, you know, how little risk you see uh, at the time of investment. Um, I think um, I think trusting the people that that you're investing with is 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 uh, you know number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Well, you have to know. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Firstly, that people are trustworthy in the sense of they won't steal from you. Although I found people don't really exactly steal necessarily unless they're desperate. Um, but in my opinion, uh, trust means to really trust someone means you know that they're going to do a good job and you know that they're going to be on it and, you know, do all this and basically be good at what they do. I think that's the yeah. real difficulty. And, 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 and the other part of it is also to, you know, to think about how, how they would um, handle themselves when times are bad. Because right? I think a lot, of, a lot of times people act, you know, kind of ethically and good when, when things are going well. But, you know, uh, uh, but then change when, when times are going bad and can act quite unethically. So I think it's also important to, to kind of see how people react to losing situations. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although it's hard to like get a glimpse of that or I guess you can probe for when they do that kind of thing. Well, you would know you're the you're the entrepreneur, you're the guy <laughs> sizing people up on the 
doing the psychological warfare in the interviews, I assume, <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, why don't you talk about your first, your biggest challenge is playing poker. My biggest what challenge? Challenges playing poker. My biggest challenge, probably. I mean, uh, probably. I mean, probably dealing with losses, dealing with um, and self doubt. Um, you know, as you know, throughout throughout the multitude of down streaks that I went through in my career, um, a lot of them gave me doubt. A lot of them kind of made me question myself and made me kind of question whether I was just being lucky and before and. You know, now it's all coming to an end. And, you know, do I really know what's going on? Is the game changing? You know, am I no longer, um, you know, plus EV? Um, all these things. And, you know, that's con- kind of constantly ongoing. Um, and figuring out the right answer, I mean, it's difficult because you, 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 you never really get confirmation of a right, of a right answer, um, you know, until I guess you actually just like win, uh, because at the end of the day, that's what, you know, that's kind of what counts. Uh, but you don't really know whether you're adjusting uh, properly or adjusting just because you're losing and actually making worse decisions. So I think that's probably the, the biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's always when you're like losing constantly, it's really hard to know that you're playing well, even if you keep making the right decisions. It would always mess with my head that I had plenty of times where, I play someone and think and keep losing to them and wonder why that, why am I losing this guy? <laughs> and <laughs> I always think like maybe maybe he's doing something better than me or whatever. Like usually it wasn't true, and it just took a le- really long time to see that, and eventually yeah, uh, turn yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, it it takes it takes quite a bit. Maybe you know, as I see, it probably takes quite a bit of winning before you get enough confidence to kind of, you know, to remain confident even when you start losing. Um, but when you're starting out, it's definitely very difficult before you've kind of um, proven to yourself that that you actually know what you're doing. Yeah, it's super hard when, you've, when you're first starting out. I think, um, I think, by the way, that because you had success in games, I think, my, I personally think that people who've already had success in games will find it easier to succeed in poker because they've, already, they've effectively already proven to themselves that they can succeed with games. If that makes sense, they can, uh, they can, mm, how do I say? Yeah. Well, they've, they can succeed. Yeah. They've just had like successes and things that they've tried to do. And then basic poker is like, and uh, a tougher version of that compared to other games. It's like a, it's like, um, if you're taking like steps up to like bigger things in life, uh, I view if you're doing the gaming route, I personally think that poker is like kind of like that. It's yeah, a- I, the, the way I the way I see it is like, um, you know, when you're just gaming, right, you're not you don't really stand anything to lose. Right. So the risk reward is, I mean, if you lose whatever, you lose a game, you're not really losing any assets and any money. Um and then as you grow in life, you start playing games where you're actually, you know, you actually have things at risk. If you go to work for, you know, a regular job, okay, maybe you're not risking anything, but now you're, you're just kind of, you know, looking to gain uh, something on an hourly basis. If you become an entrepreneur, that's, again, just another game, but where you're actually risking something and trying to make something. And, and I feel like poker is somewhere in between those two, where poker is somewhere in between entrepreneurship and regular gaming, right? So, like, poker is the next step level up from gaming where you actually stand to lose something so it's and it's and it's kind of very direct um because it's actual money um and uh uh you know so i feel like maybe even poker teaches you a little bit about uh, life and a little bit about entrepreneurship and about risks um and uh and about losing uh about what it really means because i think you may not get that same sense from just gaming where you don't really stand to lose anything except just maybe some of your ego uh when you lose in a regular game um, in poker, you you know, I, I feel like it might prepare you a little bit more for entrepreneurship or or trading or whatever it may be. Yeah, uh, that's that's how I view it. Yeah, I, I mean, like trading is a pretty obvious uh, step. I would think it's a tougher version of a game than poker. A light person in yeah go that route. And did because you the... go ahead? Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you do trading? I'm, I was just gonna. Yeah, I did. I, I, I was doing trading uh, the same time as I was doing poker. Then, then I stopped. And, you know, now I'm kind of dabbling in it uh, again a little bit. 
Um, I think it's definitely harder than poker, but I, but it's just also just a, such a much bigger game. But I think the biggest difference is uh, essentially that you know in trading you're dealing with uh, mass psychology, where in poker you're you're mostly dealing with singular psychology. Like you're just you're you're facing an opponent and you're trying to figure out. It's kind of like singular psychology, right? You just have to outsmart you know the specific opponent who, who you're in a hand against. Uh, or the specific few opponents who you're in hand against. Whereas in trading, you're trying to kind of outsmart crowds. So you're trying to understand crowd psychology. Yeah, well, there's some crowd psychology in poker to some extent. There's population tendencies um, that you kind of eventually figure out. Uh, I would think there's like, yeah. I think even it's even a bit more studied in trading just because there's not like a handbook on like what, there's not really a resource of what, crowds are exactly doing in poker particularly and what the crowd even is because like sometimes you're playing with a field full of like bad regulars or a field full of fish um or like a field versus a full of tough pros or it's really hard to like bucket these sorts of fields and it's it's easy to if you're not really observant it's easy to make various mistakes uh, against yeah certain ones. Agreed, of- because you yeah, agreed. Because I I think that's that's certainly something I remember. You know that I I didn't learn early enough, but I did you know learn eventually. Is that you know in poker, uh you know let's say depending on the tournament or the cash game that I was playing, I really had to change my style. You know, kind of drastically depending on you know the average uh, strength uh, of my table. Um. You know, it's just kind of doing different different things and applying different different you know average strategies. Mm-hmm. Well, what um, what made you decide to do other things besides poker? Um, I think you know after I played poker for it was like fourteen years or something. I you know I was just kind of thinking to myself, do I really want to continue being a professional poker player? You know, when I'm fifty, when I'm sixty, and I did not want, I did not want that. Um, I kind of, uh, and I've always kind of dreamed of, uh, entrepreneurship or doing something in business and, you know, maybe, maybe also, you know, kind of playing games that are not zero sum. You know, I think that's the only kind of downside in poker is that it's a zero sum game. Um, basically, you know, for, for those who don't know, basically it means that, you know, for you to win, someone has to lose. Um, whereas in business, that's not, that's not really the case. Um, you can just kind of build a bigger, bigger pie. Uh, so I kind of wanted to try my hand at that. Um, and like I said, I've, I've always loved poker, but, but I just wanted to, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy, uh, studying it as much and grinding it as much. Um, also obviously the game was getting tougher and tougher and, you know, I just felt like, you know, even if I continue studying, I, you know, I, I didn't know how, how good my win rate could remain. So I just kind of wanted to focus on other things. And that, uh, the fact that it wasn't um, a greater than zero sum game as well was part of the reason why I wanted to uh, move on myself. And um, yeah, because it was sort of demoralizing to, well, first of all, it is a little bit demoralizing to, you know, just keep taking from someone else. If like, it didn't feel like I was exactly um, cutting people down constantly uh or excuse me it didn't feel like that was it didn't feel like i was always doing that in poker to be honest because there'd always be like vips or whatever and it'd be um it was more like the poker pros with their friends and uh you know or or kind of like emotionally bonded and supporting each other sort of thing along that path although you know, obviously it is a less than zero sum game and eventually the fish get bored and go somewhere else and eventually yeah. the pros lose and the pros have to battle each other and, the pro- and then someone has to lose. Um, so on top of that realization, plus, I mean, there's um, some inclination, I think there's an inner inner inclination for people to want to do good, which implies a greater than zero sum. And well, greater than zero, some things have a ton of potential because as we've seen in poker, if you keep taking from the 
taking from the ecosystem, the ecosystem becomes smaller. And as you said, you sure. can a bigger and bigger pie if it's a greater than zero sum game, uh, which is, yeah, basically there's a ton more potential in greater than zero sum games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. that was the same. It was the same route that it sounded like a very similar route as what I took to um, to move on to different things. I yeah. understand one of those things that you moved on to was men's fitness. You were in the <laughs> magazine, weren't you? I thought you were on the cover. I thought you were on the cover. No, 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 not on the cover. Unfortunately, I, I wanted to be, but no, that that was that was too far a reach. But yeah, that was actually um, uh, when I was still playing poker with, and traveling with Elki and Lincoln, uh, our trainer, uh, everywhere, kind of, uh, and you know, he was training us, and and um, you know, I I always dreamed of like, uh, you know, can I ever have a six pack? And Lincoln said, Yeah, you can. Uh, I can, you know, if you follow what I'm, what you know, what I say for six months, you know, you'll have one. And I was like. Well, really? I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to make the sacrifice. And, and he was like, let's do, let's do, uh, let's create another goal. Let's, let's do a photo shoot in, um, you know, at the end of it in Brazil to kind of memorize the moment. So you also have something to, um, to, to reach towards. Um, so me and LK, I remember started training, you know, started, you know, uh, dieting properly and, uh, and I achieved it and, you know, that was really cool. And, uh, I remember, um, I, I've, I, I remember at the time, I also had a dream to be, you know, in like men's fitness or men's health. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, uh, I had a contact who, who helped me get in touch with them. And, you know, they kind of liked my story. And I had some really good before and after pictures, um, you know, another time because of uh, also because because of my uh, poker fame, you know, they, they, they did a small uh, kind of small thing on me. So but that was kind of cool. Yeah. Was there like any money on it? I, I thought there was some money on it for some reason, or it was just uh, you were committed and wanted to wanted to win. Wanted no, there was no money on it. No money in it. I just uh, want, I was just committed and I and I really wanted to do it. We we had other bets with Elki, but we never we never bet for money. We always bet for like kind of like <laughs> you know quote unquote beneficial punishments. Uh, you know, we had like poker bets where, you know, you have to do like, you know, a thousand pushups, you know, in one day, or you have to like bike over a hundred kilometers, or you have to like run a marathon, or you have to like learn each other's language, you know, stuff like that, where it was like punishment, but, but you get something good out of it. So we never, we never bet money, but we always bet stuff like that. Oh, well, what were the conditions where you had to run a hundred or bike a hundred kilometers? That sounds a lot easier, by the way, than, uh, and then put doing a thousand pushups in a day. I don't, I don't like, holy shit. Yeah, that was actually, that was during, uh, during a scoop. Um, one of the scoops, I don't remember which year it was, maybe, maybe like, you know, 2012, 2013. Um, we were in Europe and um, we were in uh, Cannes in France uh, with Elke. And um, uh, no, at the time, I think we, yeah, yeah. We, I think we were in Greece grinding the scoop. And the bet was like, you know, who, who, who is higher on the, you know, the ultimate leaderboard, who cashes more, and I think who wins more money, something like that. Um, and then we bet, you know, for what, I don't remember exactly which bets for what, but we had one bet for a thousand pushups, you know, within 24 hours. Um, and then the other one was uh, to bike from Khan to San Remo, which, which was the next DPT. I think that's like, I, if I'm not mistaken... Yeah, that's like it's like 120 something kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's so, like I mean, a big biking trail and yeah. whatever. So that's well, like a big experience, huh? It's nice in the first half. Not yeah, it, it's nice in the first half, not in the second half. Uh, the second half was pretty brutal because it's actually it's like you're just kind of riding along the highway. Like in the first half, it's beautiful. You're riding along France, and you know you have the sea, you know the the seaside view, so it's really beautiful. Uh, but then it gets it's it's not so good. Um, because you're kind of riding along the highway. It doesn't feel so safe. Um, and, uh, so I, I lost, I won two out of the three bets. I lost the, the thousand pushups bet. So I did the thousand pushups. I actually have a video of it, uh, where, you know, Lincoln taped me and I actually wasn't, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. I thought it would be a nightmare. Uh, but I actually knocked it off, you know, pretty quickly. I, I remember we did a workout in the morning where I did like 200 and then, you know, in the afternoon, um, 
I just finished it off the other 800, you know, obviously with breaks. I don't remember how long it took me, um, <laughs> but it wasn't so bad. Like I thought it would be, it would be insane, but I, you know, I did maybe like 20 at a time and then just do like significant breaks. Um, but it was, it wasn't so bad. Uh, you know, uh, I was surprised myself. Uh, I, I thought it would be, I thought it would be way more difficult. Um, and then the, the, the bike one, Elki lost the bike one, but then we decided as a group, just go as a group. because it's going to be, fun, you know, more fun that way. You know, we don't want to force Elki to, to go by himself. So we went with Elki, Lincoln and, and Petra. Um, that was really fun. You know, we kind of, you know, uh, prepared for that. At, you know, we did a special diet, some special bike training for a couple, you know, for like three, four days before that. Um, so that was good. And then Elki lost the other bet where he had to learn, you know, my, my language, you know, my, uh, which is, uh, which is Russian. Um, and I remember he was studying that for like, for a while, he was like six months. Yeah, I remember he knew a little bit of it. Um, and then, and then we kind of, and then it was just like too frustrating for him. So we agreed that he can just run like a, a marathon, uh, for it, uh, at some point. And he did. So that's, that's kind of how, how we get even. And I remember I, I also at the time afterwards, we were also planning to do some more cool bets, but also with Andre Akari. So me, Elke, and Andre Akari, we were, we were going to do like, you know, worldwide bets, um, like with like marathons, like, you know, like, uh, I forget what those called, like those like uh, different types of running, like not just like, you know, straight marathons, but like, you know, with, with, um, uh, with barriers in front of you. And uh, um, I forget what they're called. Um, but it we ended up it ended up not happening unfortunately because we couldn't we couldn't find uh, a good time where that was convenient for everyone we were all kind of busy um, but you know those were definitely fun memories. Awesome! Wow, I didn't know you you had these like you had multiple grand uh, physical challenge bets. Like I, I don't think I could do a thousand push-ups even when I was like I mean I'm a little bit below peak now but I'm just thinking about it. 800 push-ups sounds sounds really nasty or in one second i think i mean i think if you i think you'd be surprised i don't know uh i think if you spoke to lincoln i think you'd be surprised it, it might you know if you if you structure it properly you, you can do it um all right yeah. <laughs> well thank you for believing in my uh push-up ability um, <laughs> yeah I'm curious if you if you make any other crazy uh, fitness bets. I'm uh, I'm curious. I remember we had a push up bet ourselves, and then we had to call it off for some reason. But whatever, we were like pretty evenly matched. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember why we had to call it off. Oh, maybe I think I injured my shoulder or something. I don't remember if that was that was it. Um, but yeah, bets are fun. I I, I like I I know you've had bets with you know with Elki and with others, and I think. Uh, uh, I think it's a really good way to motivate yourself uh, to do things, um, you know, whether whether it's for money or, or for other, you know, quote unquote punishments. Um, I think they're very, very useful for, for things like that. I've uh, I've decided to punish myself for like two thousand dollars a um, junk food as of recently <laughs> because I can't I can't I'm just out of control. I have to do something. Have you other have you made any other crazy bets? Um no, I I don't think I have. Um I might consider it though. What's your what's your junk bet uh, bet like? So what do you what, if you eat junk food, you have to I don't know what donate two thousand to charity or something, or or what is it that you're doing? You know what I've actually made it with Elki. Uh and yeah, just that if I eat something that's junk food, uh, there's like some kind of excuse me, beyond a certain limit, because a little bit of junk food is actually okay. And recently I've read that it's better than being very strict as a matter of fact. Uh, so I think there's like, there's some kind of allowance, like, like weekly to, to handle it. And mm. um, I don't think it was, was specified, but it has to be quite, has to be quite small. Uh, but yeah, if, if anything, anything over that allowance is, is 2000 a piece, 2000, 2000 a serving. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, right. almost so, there now. it's almost there. So from, from his side as well, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, tell, tell me how you, um, got into entrepreneurship, what inspired you and how did you begin that whole process? So you know, I, I'm, I 
kind of became friends with Luca, Luca Pagano, uh, who's also, you know, Team Poker Chess Pro, um, maybe 2014, uh, I think it was, um, or 15. And, uh, you know, I just, we kind of hit it off. I, I, you know, I really liked him. He, he was really, he's really, really bright. Um, and, um, you know, he had experience and, you know, in businesses. And, you know, after a few years of chatting, we, we found that we were both kind of fans of esports and um, we decided to uh, try our hand with it, especially as we were both kind of looking to transition out of uh, playing poker professionally. Um, and for me personally, I just, I want, you know, I've never, uh, I wanted to see what it's like. You know, I've always read that it's extremely difficult, um, you know, doing a startup. And I've always wanted to kind of try my hand at different things. Um, so I did. And it was, you know, it was very, very difficult. And, um, you know, I, I, ha I, I honestly like, you know, looking back at the past four or five years, I have the utmost respect for, for Luca because, um, you know, he kind of leads, uh, our project and, you know, he kind of leads the day to day, uh, he's the CEO and, um, you know, the, the, all the success that we've achieved would not have been possible if it was not for him. Uh, I think it requires a unique kind of personality, um, that, uh, that is extremely out, you know, out, uh, outgoing, you know, optimistic and, uh, just someone who's like a doer, not just, uh, not just thinker. Um, uh, so like for me, I, I, I think I've learned where, you know, where my biggest weaknesses are and where, where my biggest strengths are. You know, I think my weaknesses are like more like operationally speaking. I don't think I'm, um, I'm a particularly good like uh, worker uh, per se, but I'm, but I am, but I think my strengths are more strategic and uh, um, kind of more high level. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's something, that's certainly something I've learned, you know, throughout, throughout my experience uh, with Clash. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're still kind of in early stages. We're still kind of in the beginning of, uh, building our company you know we've uh, we've gone through our first uh, round of fundraising outside fundraising you know Luca and I invested uh, a few million dollars of our own money into it uh, when, we, when we when we started it um, and uh, you know we're kind of very very proud of our achievements um, and uh, you know the company just keeps growing so uh, in that sense uh, it's great um, but like I said you know there's a lot of challenges uh, with it that um, that you, you know, that you still kind of have to have to handle on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but if you zoom out on a macro, on a macro picture, uh, it's really, it's uh, it's a really cool experience. Yeah, it does sound, um, it sounds very, it sounds very open-ended and it sounds, uh, sounds like there's a lot of hidden unknowns in it. And it sounds as though you have to kind of figure out where your strengths fit into the picture and find the right people that complement those. Uh, exactly. So I don't really even understand how it comes together, to be honest, because uh, what was it like? You guys had an idea and you're like, you know, let's do this. And then because also when you're starting out, how do you know really what your strengths are in the corporate world? Or excuse me, is that is it even the corporate world, the entrepreneurship world? And then, you know, like how do you know you and your partner would get along? Like, what if your partner ends up like there ends up being some kind of clashing? Um, I don't understand how how this all like begins. You know, like how does it yeah. start? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. There's certainly risks, you know, involved in that. You know, certainly like trust between Luca and myself was, you know, the most important thing when we first started. So, you know, we had that and, you know, that, um, you know, that was the most important thing. Um, and then, you know, figuring out, you know, what the company would be about. Certainly we didn't, you know, when we first started, we didn't know that we would, we would be building what we are actually building today. Uh, at the beginning, at the time when we started, it was just an idea that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to do something in the esports industry. We wanted to focus on the community somehow, you know, and, and kind of enter the space and, uh, you know, see where the opportunity is uh, there. So in the beginning, we just kind of got a Hearthstone team together, a professional team. We traveled with them around the world um, as they competed. 
uh, and we kind of networked and tried to understand, you know, what, you know, uh, how the industry functions, you know, wh where there, we felt that there was opportunity. Um, and it took us a couple of years before we realized where the real opportunity is. Um, I think we, we realized it was actually in uh, events, uh, running events and building communities. Um, so that's kind of where we are, uh, where we are net today. And what we're focused on today is basically um, creating uh, a platform, an events platform for many different games, uh, esports games, and uh, kind of entertaining our communities uh, using utilizing events. And at the same time, having professional poker players and influencers under contract um, who compete under our brand uh, and drive uh, marketing exposure to um, to us, uh, to many different, uh, you know, to many different big brands out there uh, and to many different communities. So that's how we kind of grow our brand through, you know, through actual competitions in esports and influencers. And then, you know, we utilize those to build our events, both offline and online. Uh, since the beginning of last year, we we started a platform called Clash Community App. And um, there we run basically daily, you know, events in many different games. So that's kind of what we're focusing on today. What was it that made you, made you figure out that this was what the gaming community needed? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of honestly, it's connected to it's connected to poker in some ways. Kind of what we, the way we saw poker work, the way we saw you know how Poker Stars became as big as it was. You know, I mean, Poker Stars started as an events company, right? Like running running online events, um, and then getting professional poker players like me, Luca, and others on board as ambassadors, which would which they would use kind of as marketing tools, right? Um, and then ask us to come to their live events, to play with uh, recreational players, to play in, uh, you know, charity events and, then, you know, kind of play uh, and then continue playing with, continue entertaining their communities online. Um, so we ended up going with a very similar approach in esports, essentially having professional esports players, uh, professional gamers who, you know, compete in the worldwide level. And then we ask them to you know, play in our events um, and engage with our communities and entertain our communities. And, uh, um, and that's how we build them. Um, but yeah, I think, I just think that's where we kind of saw the biggest opportunity is it, because mm, people love to compete in, you know, many different games. And, you know, there's lots of different, you know, games out there, but, but we saw an opportunity to actually create events around these games and creates all sorts of fun events, not necessarily competitive events, uh, not always, but also, you know, fun-based events, um, essentially just to create entertainment for, for, for people who like to play games. All right. Well, that's, it seems like something that's very complicated to do. I'm, and it sounds like a big need to, to, uh, supply, uh, because, Definitely, especially it feels like these days, at least at, in my experience in various startups um, and talking with a lot of these people at various conventions, building platforms seems to be a like common, um, just building the opportunities for many other people to do other things basically seems to be like something that has tons of potential and that and that people are realizing has tons of potential. It's as if people are um, the the greater than zero sumness in a lot of these fields is kind of polluting. Um, and gaming also seems to be really getting bigger and bigger as well. So yeah, my under, from my understanding, what you guys are doing seems really auspicious. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what we saw about the, you know, in general, you know, esports and gaming in general. It's just it's growing absolutely insane. Like uh, gaming in general is already uh, um, as of last year, I think it's one hundred and seventy billion billion dollar industry. It's bigger than music and movie um, industries combined. And esports, um, you know, is, uh, you know, by itself, I, th I think it's a billion dollar industry, but it's, it's growing like 15 percent a year. Um, so both, both of them are just growing so fast and, you know, considering some of the similarities that we saw between gaming and, you know, poker, um, we thought, 
why not take some of the things that we learned in poker and apply them to gaming, which which is going to be just a much much you know bigger bigger industry um, than uh, than poker, and you know kind of still we felt it was still in its early stages of of growth, uh, and the potential was massive. So uh, certainly, what we're doing is, um, I mean, it's you know, even though we've achieved a lot of success, you know, it's still nothing compared to where we want to go. So you know, we're shooting really, really high with uh, with Clash. Um, you know, we want to, we want you know, uh, we want to become kind of like a you know a platform for events uh, eventually, kind of like Poker Stars was for poker, but you know, uh, maybe without the without the gambling factor uh, that poker has, and you know, what which kind of um, maybe turned off a lot of uh, you know a lot of sponsors, and you know, made it kind of uh illegal in some of the countries i think in that sense we have it, we have it easier but at the same time our business model is a little bit different um but i think the opportunity is absolutely massive well i'm happy for you it sounds like from my understanding Qlash is doing great and uh yeah it sounds like just there's a lot of just just the future looks bright let's put it that way um what were your biggest challenges getting it yeah, what were your biggest challenges um, building this startup? Um, certainly, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges was uh, when we actually decided we'd need to do fundraising, uh, outside fundraising, um, exactly how, like, how difficult it would be. Like, uh, and also COVID hit at the time, so that kind of... Uh, that forced us to adjust a lot, um, not just to fundraising, but also to our strategy. Because bef before COVID hit, we were focused on mostly live events. We were, you know, we we had a lot of agreements in place to do lots of cool live gaming events um, around Italy and around Spain. Um, and then obviously, when, as soon as COVID hit, you know that you know all of that kind of fell apart, and it forced us to um accelerate on our online events uh platform plans because originally we thought we were just kind of focused on on offline and then and then start building the online part um so you know that was a big learning experience and you know kind of tough um but we you know i'm happy that we kind of got through it um so i'd say you know that was probably like one of our biggest challenges and and also the, the you know the fundraising process which which took quite a bit of time also i think because uh, to a large degree because of covid All right. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't had much experience building a startup, so it's hard for me to relate too much. Yeah, well, all, all I can tell you is that, you know, I've read a lot of books before I started. We started this like about, you know, how difficult you know, a startup is and you have to be like a, a self-masochist to start a startup because of, of <laughs> how insane it is. And I, so I've kind of expected it, but I still, you know, it's all true. Like you, you it's it's so difficult. Like, you know, it's... And things are kind of always moving against you. Um, there's just so many things that can go wrong. Uh, so the risks are really, really high. Um, so certainly it's really rewarding when things start to work out. Um, but it is very, very difficult. So it's certainly not for everyone. Like, I, I, you know, I would say, like, you really have to be ready for, for it before you start. Like, you cannot even imagine the, the amount of complexity and, you know, hardship that you have to go through um beforehand uh, until you actually you know start getting you know uh jump in with your with your feet all right everyone eugene with his warning don't make a startup <laughs> you'll pain unless you like pain <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very high risk very high reward also potentially um but yeah but i mean statistically you know what is it i think it's like 90 or 95 percent of startups fail so it's pretty brutal. It's, it's brutal. Um, but you do learn a lot. Um, so no matter what, um, I feel like poker, you know, that's the one thing I'm, um, I'm certainly, you know, one of the many things I'm certainly thankful to poker for is, uh, you know, after going through many different losses in poker, you know, and, and you know, um, figuring out that losses teach me so much, you know, I, I think it's the same thing in entrepreneurship. Um, every loss, every hardship teaches you something. Um, so that's, I think that's the best way to look at it. Um, every loss is an opportunity to learn something. And, you know, the, the only, 
The only way I feel like a loss is bad is if you keep repeating the same mistake. Yeah. Um, or if you, or if you've risked too much where, you know, where you're kind of, uh, uh, where you no longer have a shot at trying it again. Um, mm-hmm. So just like in poker, right? Like you never want to, you know, you never want to play in a tournament that you can't afford, you know, that, that if you lose or you're in a cash game where if you lose, you're, you're going to be like busted or close to busted. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing in entrepreneurship. You, you want to make sure you still have enough bullets to, uh, to have, uh, other shots once you've learned your lesson. All right. Uh, well, I also understand. Um, well, first thing I want to comment on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in poker, one of the biggest things that matters a lot ultimately is bankroll management and taking, choosing your battles. So it makes sense that that would apply for entrepreneurship also. I mean, definitely. I always thought entrepreneurship was a massive, massive gamble. Um, I always thought it was a bigger gamble than poker. I thought poker was like, okay, well, you can only do <laughs> poker. But in entrepreneurship, I've just heard of people starting businesses, like losing all their money. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you have to not have runaway costs and all that stuff. Uh, I also understand that you have uh, delved into the spiritual realm a little bit. Although I don't, I know a little bit about what you what the philosophy or whatever you want to call it that you believe related to that i don't really understand a whole lot of what your experience is in the spiritual world can you tell us a bit about your foray into the the outside the realm outside of uh of current understanding i think spiritual has to be in that realm right i mean it's just right um pretty sure that makes sense because otherwise it wouldn't be spiritual yeah i mean i think i've uh this is all very new to me as well um because i've you know most of my life uh i've been i've been an atheist uh, or at least agnostic most of my life um and uh i you know at the beginning of uh, last year um i started kind of looking into i've never i've never taken any drugs i never i you know i i don't like alcohol like i, I don't like any other stuff. And at some point I started reading a lot about uh, that there was a lot of money being poured into um, psychedelics uh, research, uh, spe- specifically like psilocybin, which is, you know, like magic mushrooms and, and LSD and um, that a lot of uh, research was being done in different universities throughout the U.S. Um, and how, uh, you know, and some of the experiences that people have had with it. So at some point after doing a lot of research, I decided to try it for myself. I you know, I tried uh, psilocybin, you know, magic mushrooms at the beginning of last year. And, and it was just like, it was just an incredible experience for me uh, where, um, where, you know, I don't know if you can, uh, uh, where I think some spirituality was born in me. So it, it's very difficult to describe. It's, you know, very difficult to, to put these things into words. Um, but I think, you know, what I've kind of, you know, started to believe is that there is certainly more to life than, than what we see in front of our eyes than, than this world. And, uh, you know, I, I found it fascinating and, and I've, you know, I've wanted to continue kind of diving into it and researching it more and learning more about it. I've always been a very, very curious person. I've always wanted to know how things are built. Um, I've always wanted to know more about myself, about kind of my true nature and, um, and you know, just people in general. Um, so certainly, I think I credit that experience with uh, with psychedelics and, and opening my mind, um, and you know, uh, making me experience things that I never kind of imagined were possible before. And uh, you know, whether they're real or not, it's just it's incredible that we're capable to that our minds are capable to experience something like this. So, um, so I you know, in a very in a very high level, I would say that's my that's my interest in spirituality. Um, that's my, you know, I, um, you know, experience with, with, uh, with certain psychedelics. I've, I've had other experiences with psychedelics as well. You know, I've, I've, you know, I went to Mexico and, um, I, I did something called, uh, a Bufo ceremony, which, uh, um, Bufo is like this, uh, this, um, uh, 
uh, basically it's 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 pure 5-MeO DMT. That's the chemical name of it. It's it's basically um, a frog, some some frog that only. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it only grows. It only grows in. I mean, not grows. It only lives in uh, in Mexico and Colorado. I think it's the Colorado River toad. Um, it creates this like this uh, this you know uh, sweat or something. I guess you can call it. And basically, you can dry it, and then you can you can inhale it, um, and it gives you an extremely powerful psychedelic experience. It's very short. It's only fifteen minutes, um, but it's extremely powerful. And uh, I found that to be also. Um, incredibly interesting it's very difficult to put into words um uh it's you know very very different from mushrooms but it's, it's very very deep uh but it certainly opens up your eyes to you know to how much bigger the world is than than i originally thought at least so um so i kind of credit that uh, as well in my kind of ongoing interest in uh you know in, if you want to call it spirituality um, than, than yet in spirituality. Yeah, that was the drug that, that I wanted to take for a while, uh, or whatever you want to call it. Um, an experience I wanted to have because I've heard very, I've heard multiple things that suggested, uh, it suggested some kind of experience that gave various spiritual uh, ideas, credibility, you can put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot, what I, once I, after doing these things, I actually started looking into, you know, what some of the like religions and, you know, you know, especially like Buddhism and, um, and Zen and Hinduism, like what they're saying. And, and I was like, wow. And now I actually understand now it makes sense where they're, you know, getting this stuff from, like, you know, they talk about the oneness of everything and the non-duality of things. And, and, you know, it's one thing when you just hear it, but it's a completely different thing when you actually experience it, when you feel what, you know, what non-duality, you know, what this oneness can be. Um, it's an incredible, you know, it's kind of an, an incredible thing. Um, and uh, I just, you know, as I said before, like I'm, I'm extremely, extremely curious uh, person by nature. So, um, you know, exploring uh, this world is, uh, you know, very, very interesting to me. Uh, and also, Considering, you know, everything that I've learned about these substances, they are, they are nothing, you know, from what I understand, they are nothing like drugs. They, they, there's no addictiveness to them. There's very little downside, if any, uh, to them. Um, so given the risk factors, I felt like it was just a, you know, it was just a free roll, essentially, you know, not much to lose. So why not? I've read that they're fairly safe, although I'm pretty sure I cannot advocate using them necessarily i'll say that i'm curious myself to i've not really tried any of these sorts of things beyond uh nothing really crazy let's put it that way yeah i i would i would i would say the same thing i would certainly not advocate you know people to to use them kind of regularly there are certainly not things you do recreationally um so you know I certainly wouldn't advocate it. I would more say like, if you're curious, you can, I, I would suggest, you know, I would recommend that you read up on uh, a lot before even considering to try. Um, I think it's always really, really important to understand all the, you know, kind of all the risk factors involved because there, there's certainly risks involved, especially if you have, you know, if you have like, uh, you know, any kind of psychological issues or psychological problems, um, you, you, you know, you, you may want to really give it a careful look. Um, so kind of leave it at that, I think. What um, do you want to talk about? What uh, hmm? Let me think. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about that's on your mind? The spirituality, or with entrepreneurship, or the direction of QLash, or clash, 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 clash. I was gonna... <laughs> we all, we always get that. We always get that. So don't worry. That was yeah. We always get that. Um, let me think. Um, any any? Well, <clears throat> go ahead. I maybe maybe something I've just been thinking about, you know, on a on a on a high level is uh, um, how important optimism is in general. Like just to be optimistic in life in general. Uh, I think, and and then 
learning to see bad things and, you know, lo- whether it's losing sessions in poker or losing, you know, in businesses or, 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 or anything you know, kind of bad happening to you in life. If you just look at it in a different way, like instead of looking at it, like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, why am I so unlucky or why am I so, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of look, looking at it in a pessimistic way, if you just kind of learn to see it things from a different perspective, you know, from an optimistic perspective, I think your, you know, I think your life can be a lot, a lot better. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you've, I think you see this in all successful people. Uh, I think they tend to be very optimistic. Uh, there's very few successful people who, who, who are naturally pessimists. And I think it's because, you know, they've, you know, a lot of successful people, you know, granted they all got lucky in something, but I think what most people don't realize is that, you know, they, they got they've had their share of bad luck for a long, long time, but they didn't, you know, quit trying and they didn't stop. And, you know, they kept their optimism until, until, you know, they actually hit, hit upon something that, you know, that was fortunate and made them successful. So Mm -hmm. I think that applies to all things in life. And I've certainly been thinking about that a lot. Uh, The, the, the perspective of uh, how you can view life and how you can view your success or failure and, um, and, and that's, and, and then how much of it is actually under your control. I think a lot, a lot of people, uh, a lot of us like to blame others for, you know, for things, maybe that, that you know, bad things that may be happening to us. But, um, I think what you realize more and more is that, uh, almost everything is on you, uh, on, on, you know, uh, every problem that you have can be solved by you, <laughs> uh, and, you know, by the way you look at things and by your perspective on things. So I would say in a very general sense, uh, I think that's been very, very helpful for me, uh, that realization. Um, so I'm kind of grateful that, you know, I think I'm, I natu- naturally tend towards being uh, an optimist. I think um, there are multiple forms of optimism. Um, I think one that a lot of successful people have at least, or they need, uh, is something like, I want to use the word hope in that it, something like seeing the best possible outcome potentially, or to keep like having that in mind or like keep like viewing that as possible. If that makes sense. I think, I think a lot of them need that particularly when things are going bad because like, what else can you really have? Um, or, I mean, you can have acceptance uh, and to continue to be, I mean, you definitely need the proactiveness, but part of the proactiveness is linked to, linked to hope, I think, is, the, is my personal understanding of what you're saying. Though there's also optimism in the sense of being positive with the way you carry yourself and positive about how you're experiencing things and this kind of thing. I think it's, that's a different kind of optimism. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. There's lots. There's lots of different different uh, optimisms, and uh, yeah, I, I think when you kind of hit troubled waters, is, is the real kind of test of how truly optimistic you can remain uh, in the face of in the face of you know failure or, or trouble. Failure after failure after failure, and all these sorts yeah. of. Yeah. 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 There's a few different uh, permutations of failures as. We've all learned in in our own unique ways. Um, I imagine so with entrepreneurship too, especially when you like get your hopes real up. Uh, I personally find it particularly devastating when your hopes it seems like you're almost going to get there and then bang, like <laughs> that's that's yeah. the slow roll, the slow roll. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you have to keep it up in that situation quite a lot. Absolutely. Um, poker teaches you that. Poker teaches you yeah. like to like to get destroyed. <laughs> poker, uh, poker is really a good a good teacher for for a lot of things in life. That's what I think too, and I'm exploring that idea. Uh, I've got an idea related to that actually, um, to use poker as education somehow. But there's some things that need to be worked out. But anyway, um, do you want to talk more about Clash before you go, or have anything anything else you want to say? Um, so, I mean, just, you know, um, for whoever, you know, 
we're always kind of grateful for feedback. So if you can, if you can kind of download our app, you know, the Clash Community app, and tell us what you think. I think especially poker players will be kind of familiar with with the idea of it because essentially it's uh, you know we're, um, it's a place where you can find events and many different games such as Clash Royale, Brawl Stars, FIFA, um, and uh, you know tell us what you think and tell us where you know where we can improve and maybe what, uh, what you like or what you don't like. Um, I think certainly coming from any poker fans that I think that would be kind of, kind of useful. Um, and just in general, if you, if you have any feedback or anything you want, you know, you want, you want to, to say about it, um, I think, uh, please reach out to me. Uh, I think you can, you can find me on Twitter, um, you know, at Eugene Kachalov and, uh, you can send me a message there if you'd like. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's probably it. All right, all right, guys. Eugene Kashlov, Clash, possibly the um, the community builder and events planner of gaming in the future. Is that right? Events organizer, excuse me. And <laughs> optimism. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and thank you all for watching. Thank you, Eugene, for being on the show. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, this was this was fun, and uh, time flew by. And you know, I wish you luck with this podcast. So, hope you Thank hope you. everyone kind of enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. All right, bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Winning the Game of Life. Tune in next week for another great episode. Of course, hit subscribe and follow Dan on Instagram at the Dan Cates. 